Thanks, Em. Right, just get myself set up, don't mind me. How are we this morning? Good, good, glad to hear. How awesome is it to see some of our incredible young people just coming around um, and using their gifts to glorify God? It's just amazing on worship and that item we just had. I love it. So, if you haven't gathered by now, the name of our youth is Unearth Youth. So, that is what I am going to be talking to you about today, the idea of unearth. So, there's a few different definitions of unearth. The dictionary says that unearth means to find something in the ground by digging. There's another definition that is to drive out an animal, or especially like a fox or something like that, to drive it out of a hole or a burrow. This is like what happens to us throughout our life. We all unearth different things within us, good things and bad things. So to help visualise this idea of unearthing things in our own life, I'm going to use the image of a miner. So a miner's job is to find gold or precious minerals or stuff like that. And they do that by following a trail. When they think they've onto something, they start digging. There's a few different things that can come of that. So they can start digging and they may hit gold. Or they could be digging and digging and digging and they haven't reached anything and so they give up. But little did they know, if they had taken one more scoop, there would have been gold. Sometimes it leads to a dead end and sometimes you hit something dangerous. We're like this in life. Going through life, following different trails of different things, the choice is made when you pick up the trail of something. You either follow it and pursue it, or you ignore it. If you ignore it, you move on with life and you'll never know what would have come of that trail. And if you decide to pursue it, you begin to dig. So there's a few different approaches to unearthing, and we're gonna look at a couple of them. So the first one is that you dig in and you dig in, and you stop just before you reach the goal. Maybe you get tired, maybe life gets in the way or you get distracted, but for some reason you get so close, but you stop. The second is that you strike something bad or dangerous. At this point, there's a few different options. You can either cover it up and pretend like it isn't there and let it build and build and build. You can keep digging, hoping that there'll be gold underneath that dangerous thing, or you can call for help. The third thing is that you pick up the trail of something and you run the other way because you're scared. And the last one is that you strike gold. And there's many examples of these four different approaches all throughout the Bible, and we're going to look at one for each. So the first approach is that you stop just before you reach the gold. And for this, we're going to look at Judas. So Judas caught on to a trail of the gold of Jesus. He followed Jesus. He dedicated his life to following Jesus. You know, he performed miracles. He saw these incredible things. He dedicated his life to reaching the lost and the needy. We're introduced to Judas in Matthew 10. In verse 1, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. 
and this is the goal that he was pursuing, gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. This is the goal that he had caught trail of and that he was pursuing. But as you read on a few more verses and Matthew goes on to introduce the 12 disciples, you know, he names Simon and James and he goes on and names them all and he gets to Judas and it's changed to the betrayer. Judas thought that all these amazing signs and wonders, you know, the authority to drive out impure spirits, to heal every disease and sickness, all these incredible different miracles, he thought that all these different signs and wonders that Jesus was doing throughout his life would eventually lead to the destruction of Rome. He allowed his greed of this glory that he wanted to distract him. And as Jesus went on to just love the broken and the needy and to not be destructive like Judas wanted, he began to be distracted and he wanted the glory for himself. So he stopped unearthing what Jesus had placed in his life and instead he began to pursue another trail. And this is the trail that distracted him and brought him away and onto another path of destruction that would ultimately lead to the death of Jesus. The second approach is that you strike something bad. For this, we're going to look at Samson. Samson's journey of unearthing started way before he was born. We read it in Judges 13. It says, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah, named Mano, from the clan of the Danites, had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You were barren and childless, but you were going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now, see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy will be a Nazarite, dedicated to, the God, to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. This is the plan that God had for Samson. God had set before him this incredible journey and gifts and talents for Samson to unearth throughout his life. One of these gifts being incredible strength. But as time went on and Samson, Samson forgot that this strength was from God and started believing that it was from himself, he stopped unearthing what God had put before him and he got distracted and he followed another trail and started unearthing something dangerous. He pursued a woman named Delilah who eventually convinced him to give up God's blessings for her. And from this, he lost his strength and was held captive for the rest of his life. He got distracted from the trail that God had put before him and he pursued this destructive one instead. He got distracted from God's vision for his life and walked away from it. And as a result, he lost his physical vision. He had his eyes pulled out. The third approach is that you catch scent of the trail and you run the other way. And for this, we're looking at Jonah. The story of Jonah is one of incredible um, deliverance from God, but not at the beginning. 
God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, which was a city full of destruction and violence and hate. God says to Jonah in chapter 1, Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh. Preach to them. They're in a bad way and I can't ignore it any longer. I love that God's approach to wickedness coming up against him is to send someone out to love those people and to preach them and to share his word. And that's God's approach throughout the whole gospel, not one of punishment, but of reaching out. Jonah had caught this trail of gold, but he became afraid and he went the other way. He decided that his own safety was more important than God reaching an entire city. The last approach is that you strike gold. And for this one, we're looking at Esther. Esther's story is an, is an incredible one of great unearthing. She was chosen by the king at the time to be his queen. Esther risked her own death as she realised what was at stake. She willingly did what could have been a deadly manoeuvre and took on the second in command of her husband's kingdom, Haman. She proved a wise and most worthy opponent for him, all while remaining humble and respectful of the position of her husband, the king. So we're going to start in Esther 4, but to give you a little context to that, the king at the time had all the young women brought to him so that he could choose his new queen. And in the, es in the end, Esther gained his favour and she became the new queen. Esther was a young Jewish woman who had been brought up by her relative Mordecai. She kept that fact that she was a Jew a secret from the palace. Mordecai had earned the king's favour by unveiling a plot against him and telling the king. In the meantime, the king's right-hand man, Haman, was furious with Mordecai because Mordecai would not bow down to him. Because of this rage, Haman manipulated the king into putting out a decree for all the Jews to be killed. So, that's where we pick up in chapter 4, from verse 5. Esther summoned Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs assigned to attend her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hathach went out to the Mordecai in the open square of the city, in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show it to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal providence know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned by the king, the king has but one law. They must be put to death, unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their life. But 30 days have passed since I have been called to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that you were in the king's do not think that because you were in the king's house you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. 
And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and he hurled out his gold scepter to her and she approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king, together with Haman, come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. Bring Haman at once, the king said, so that we may do what Esther asks. And so Esther, the king, and Haman come together at this banquet. And again, the king asks Esther, what is it that you want? She requests them to come to another banquet the next day. And at this banquet is when she would reveal to the king the plot against the Jews. She told him that her people, including herself, are going to be annihilated and then it was all Haman's fault and that he's the enemy. The king was furious with Haman and he was put to death. And the king put out another decree which saved the Jews. It's an incredible story when you think about it. A young Jewish girl facing the most powerful person in the area. And don't forget how women were treated back then as well. The fact that the king would even listen to what she had to say. Esther had more reason than most to have any of these other three approaches. She easily could have stopped just before she reached the goal allowing fear to consume her and bailing out of the banquets or bailing out before she went into the court. She could have easily let this power go to her head and become corrupt, like Judas, eventually leading to her ignoring the cry of her people. And she could have very easily run the other way when Mordecai approached her with the decree. And yet she wasn't any of those three. She started to unearth this calling on her life and she kept digging and didn't stop. Esther followed the trail, and through this power that she had stepped up into, she was able to unearth deliverance for her people, which is the heart of God and the heart of his gospel. Esther is the perfect example of how God wants to unearth things in our life, to pursue and to trust, no matter how hard or scary it might get. But you know what the incredible thing is about these four people? Is that even though three of them didn't quite get to what God had for them, he still used all of them. Judas was still one of the 12 despite the fact that he would betray Jesus. He still went around with Jesus and performed miracles and reached the lost and needy. Samson was still used to deliver God's people from the Philistines. And God still used Jonah to save the people of Nineveh. And I know that at different points in my own life, I've been all these four different people. 
And yet, no matter how broken I may get or how many times I've stumbled and fallen, God has never left me and never given up on me. Does that mean it actually doesn't matter what we pursue? No. It means that despite what we may pursue, no one is too far gone for God to not be able to reach them. And when you do face trials and pushbacks, you take Esther's example and you don't let fear or distractions take away from what God is unearthing in your life. So what is God unearthing in your life? It may not be to stop a genocide like Esther, but there are things that God wants to unearth in every single person here, no matter their past. There's a whole list of things that God wants to unearth in your life in Galatians. It says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He wants to unearth love to destroy hate, joy to overcome depression, peace over war. In your life, he wants to unearth patience to overcome indifference, kindness over hostility, goodness over evil, faithfulness over dishonesty. He wants to unearth gentleness over violence and self-control over instability. The next thing that God wants to unearth in every single person's life is found in Ephesians. And this is actually the verse, two verses, that the idea of unearth for unearth youth was born from. It's Ephesians 2 verses 4 to 5. It says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God wants to unearth new life, abundant life, a life free from addiction, from abuse and hurt, a life full of the fruits that I just mentioned, love, joy, peace, patience, all of them. He wants to unearth that in your life. This is why we get baptised like earlier this morning. We're symbolising that new life that we're unearthing, that we're declaring it to the world, that we've stepped into it. The next thing that God wants to unearth is purpose in our lives. It says time and time again in the Bible, it talks about this purpose that God wants to unearth in our life. And here are just a few of the verses that it talks about it. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. 1 Peter 2, 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Job 42, verse 2, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. And then in Matthew 28, when Jesus has died and resurrected and it's his last time talking to the disciples, he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the ages. There is not one person on this earth who is here by mistake. 
God has a plan and a purpose for every single person's life. The only question is, are you willing to unearth that purpose? The other thing that God wants to unearth in every person is a personal relationship with him. Not a relationship where you walk on eggshells around him and you're absolutely perfect, but a relationship where you bring your flaws to him and you bring your troubles and your trials and he will use them to blossom you into the person that he intended you to be. He wants a two-way relationship where you can talk to him and he can talk to you. There is gold in every single one of us here today that God has placed in us. Will you, like Esther, unearth that gold in your life that God has placed in you to change the world? Or will you be like the other three and keep it hidden so that the world will never get to be transformed by what God has placed inside you? I'd like to invite Em back up. Why don't we thank Julia for an incredible message this morning, spoken so well. Well, church, we are going to finish our service in a moment, but before we do that, we are going to give opportunity for everyone in this room to respond, to respond to the message and the words that we've heard this morning and to um, incline ourselves towards God and what he wants to do in our lives, what he truly wants to unearth, not just in the people and the stories that we've heard today, but in you, in your life. What is the purpose that God has put you in the positions he's put you and, and, and leaning into that and asking God honestly, God, what do you want to do in my life? What do you want to unearth? What path should I be taking? What should I be digging up? What is the gold that you've put inside me that I'm unaware of? And how do I find it? And, and we're going to incline ourselves towards God to do that this morning. So why don't you join me in standing as we pray together? And here's what I want us to do. Is we are just going to simply close our eyes. And if you're here this morning and you're thinking... Um, God, I want to know more of what this purpose is that you have for my life. God, I want to know more about the gold that you've put within me and how to express that in the world around me. How do I be like Esther and keep digging and persevering in the face of fear and trial, in, in the places where I'm put, where maybe I don't feel like I can speak? How do I be a voice? In, in the relationships that I'm a part of, where there's conflict and there's um, uncertainty, God, how do you give me peace and how do I bring peace to the world around me in those spaces? How do I produce the fruit that Julia was talking about this morning of kindness, of joy when I'm not feeling joyful? God, show us the way. So if you're here this morning and, and I feel like this really could include every single person, I would like us to respond and incline ourselves and ask God the question, God, what do you want to unearth within me? So why don't you, if you would like, place a hand upon your heart as we pray for one another. This is not just me praying over you. This is us praying together. God, we pray right now over every person in this room. God, we thank you for the incredible purpose and the incredible life that you have prepared for every human in this room. God, we thank you uh, for what is in store and, and, and the gold that you've put within each of us, God. And I just pray that as we ask the question, God, what do you want to do with my life? 
God, what purpose do you have for me? God, what do you want to unearth and bring to life? What are the dead things within me that need to stay dead? And what are the dead things that need to come alive? God, help me to be made alive in you, God. I just pray right now that uh, you would just speak, God that you would stir hearts and minds and spirits, God, to be able to take the steps, to be able to dig when they don't want to dig anymore, God, and to find the gold that you've put within each of us, God, and then not just leave it there, but be able to express it to the world around us so that we can bring you glory, God. Show us how, show us why, God, and really help us to move along and persevere when the going gets hard, Jesus. We pray that you would truly make us alive, not in a fake way, but in a real genuine way, God, um, where we just incline ourselves and pursue you, God, wholeheartedly. I pray that for every person in this room who maybe are far away from you and don't realize the incredible human that you've made them to be, God, I pray that you'll begin to unearth that within them, that they would discover you, Jesus, and your Holy Spirit and the power um, within that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I would now like to pray for one other group of people, and that's for anyone in this room who maybe doesn't feel like they have a relationship with Jesus. Like Julia was talking about earlier, God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to, uh, he already knows you, but he wants you to know him, and he wants you to uh, see who he truly is, and uh, wants to start that relationship with you. So uh, it'd be a miss of me not to give opportunity for that this morning. So if you're here today, and maybe you want to take that first step, and you want to say, yes, God, I want to try this. I want to give it a go. I want to have a relationship with you and and see what you begin to unearth in my life. I want to give it a go and get to know you. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to respond, not for me, not for anyone else in this room, but for you. And uh, everyone else, we're just going to close our eyes. And if that's you this morning and you want to say yes to Jesus, you want to start a relationship, start a new life with him, I invite you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. Um, So you can do that now if you would like to say yes to Jesus for the first time. Awesome. God, I just pray right now for anyone in this room, anyone, God, who is wanting to say yes to you, Anyone, God, who is wanting to um, take the big leap and and trialing a relationship with you, God, making the decision, the concrete decision to uh, follow you, Jesus, to seek your face, maybe for the first time or maybe to return back after a long time, God, I pray, uh, God, that you would just uh, take their hand as they take baby steps into pursuing a relationship with you, God, that they would fall in love with your word, God, that they would fall in love with worshipping you, God. that they'll fall in love with just revealing your presence here on earth, God, and allowing people to have a glimpse of who you are uh, through what you're doing and have done in in their lives, God. I pray for that right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen and amen.